Welcome to Brews Rock, your ultimate backstage pass to the captivating tales behind your beloved brews. Get ready for an immersive journey into the craft brewing universe every Friday, where we'll uncover the secrets and inspire you to be part of this extraordinary community. This week, we're flying back down south to catch a few more raids with Jeff and chat with Gary, Ken, and Derek at Coppertail Brewing Company. Coppertail Brewing Company got its name from the mythical creature that lurks in the waters surrounding Florida. But just like other myths and legends, we don't have much details on what it actually is. That's right, Bo. So stay tuned as Gary spills the beans on some of the mysteries behind the inspiration for many of their beers. And crack a cold one, because we're diving in, right? Nah. Now. Everybody introduce themselves, what you do here, where we are, because you can't always see where we are, and just whatever you want to say about yourself and your role here at Coppertail. Uh, I guess I'll start off. I'm Gary Koss, marketing director. We're sitting in Coppertail Brewing Company right now, just in the cusp of Ybor City in Tampa, Florida. I am uh, Ken Fouch, our chief operating officer here at Coppertail Brewing. Uh, Derek Gaw, production director, Coppertail Brewing Company, right here in lovely Ebor. And so when did this all come about? I, I, I've been here before we were serving beer. We were actually brewing on a 20-gallon system, like just a standard, not standard, but a nice homebrew system. You were a part of the building of the facility? Yeah, I actually came in working as a temp agent during construction. Worked under the GC, just doing little odd jobs, sweeping floors, little construction projects. At the time, Casey, who was our brewmaster, was looking for someone to be assistant brewer and help assemble equipment, help put stuff together. He hired me from there, and I started out by assembling the bottling line, putting that in place, then the keg line, lining up tanks, and I've been here ever since. From there, who was next? That would probably be me. I have an advertising background, and then... I was doing freelance design for them when they first opened up. I kind of planted myself at the bar. One day, Kent, our owner, was like, hey, you want a job? And I put my two weeks in immediately. <laughs> and uh, that, that brings us here nine years later. Or eight years, rather. Running some great ads at Walmart and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I used to work for Walmart that. online, and I switched over to here. So you went from nice. Walmart to here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting jump. Yeah. So where did the name Coppertail come from? Kent's daughter, so they had a beach house out in Grill, and it was always kind of this thing as the sun was over there cresting over the Gulf of Mexico that, you know, it's like this majestic creature that his daughter, you know, would always see as kind of that water had hit. So she'd always say that was a copper tail. It's a fun Florida thing. We look for the green flash every night when the sun goes down. But now his daughter will come back here. Actually, she's at goes to college at Boston University. And she'll come back here and work during the summer times a lot and stuff like that. So it's cool to go full circle from a young childhood creature to now like actually being here. And this is actually like a real thing. And oh, so it all ago. came from her, just coining that phrase. Yep. Copy yes, sir. Yep. Man. Okay. And then I, I do want to talk about the art because that was one thing that definitely caught my attention. Yeah. So his name is uh, Evan B. Harris. Our owner stumbled upon him and just reached out to him. He liked his whimsical style and he does a lot of nautical stuff and it kind of really fits the entire theme of the brewery. So he's been doing our concepted label art from the start. We use him on like core pieces, anything that goes to market, we usually use his look and feel. He's from Portland, Oregon. Now he's in Philadelphia and it's awesome. It's, it's such a cool process working with him. We like 
we come up with the story internally, like we all talk it over and try to figure out a concept for what we wanted to do. And then we send it to him and we have no idea what's going to come back. Like, he's just such a brilliant guy that like, he'll figure it out. <laughs> and then when we see it, it's like, that's nothing like what we thought, but it's amazing. It's always a treat getting that first sketch whenever we request a piece of art. Is there anything of specific beers that you can tell me that was like an interesting story behind a name? I think Unholy is cool. So I think at some point in your journey of craft beer that you that you get into Belgian beers, right? You start out and somewhere early, I feel like in that world of enjoying craft beer, you do mm -hmm. Belgian beer. So we have a Belgian triple that we brew that would make it a very holy process, right? We're through mm -hmm. Trappist monks and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah. The reason why it's called unholy is because we brew something very classic and then we dry hop it like an IPA. So that's why it's called unholy. <laughs> yeah. And if you're down by the tasting room in the merch area, there's actually confessional. That's over there. So if oh, you kind of want to go full circle and tie it in, and that, that confessional was like the first thing before this was even a building purchase. Yeah. He purchased the confessional. So that kind of vision was already set out already for that beer. But I think for me, that's kind of one of the cool ones in Holy. Yeah. I, I have photos of the confessionals still in the back warehouse, just on casters. Just waiting for, just, just just waiting, just waiting yeah. for a spot. We had no <laughs> idea where it was going, but it was going somewhere. The unholy monk, the character has taken off. It has this like has like a kind of a weird cult following, where people just love it. And that's a terrifying beer to drink. It's nine point two, but drinks like it's NA five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> well, one of the funny unholy story. One of the first times that I worked an event and my wife actually helped out. She served our beers. We went out to Cajun Cafe on the Bayou, which is I think it's defunct now. Right on the water, did a beer fest out there. We had two beers on. I believe it was free diving unholy. She had been drinking unholy like pretty much all day. And I noticed she was getting a little loopy. I was like, how many of these have you had? She's like, I don't know. I, I lost count. I was like, you know, that's like 9%, right? And she goes, oh no. <laughs> so I, I have I have photos of her asleep on the center console of my car <laughs> on the way home. And that would have been the first beer fest that she worked with us. So oh. It was 9.5 back then, I think. It was, it. Probably brewed closer to the 10-ish range, if I had yeah. to guess. That was back, <laughs> and that would have been back when we were brewing on the small system, and we let that ferment at whatever the warehouse temperature was. No temperature control. We just let it rip, and I personally loved it. <laughs> I got to think, like, all phenols and esters are just popping off in oh, that yeah. kind of open fermentation, that temperature, yeah. So I kind of want to hear more about the uh, that brew system because you said that's the first time I, I've gone into a brewery and they've been like, oh yeah, that little computer over there, everything's in control right there. They got to go up there four times. So what's the four times that they go up? So our system, it's a 50 barrel Rolex system. It's designed fully from Germany. I love that that was in the background. It's fantastic. <laughs> so five vessels, you have your mash tun, lauder tun, work kettle, whirlpool, and then a hot bag. So the only times that they have to go up there would be they take a mash sample for pH, then they do their pH adjustment. They can pull their Lauderton sample from the spindle station that you have the photo of. For those who don't know, it's actually on the floor instead of on the brew stand. So they don't even have to go up the stairs. They're spoiled. Then that they also take another sample of pH when it's in the work kettle. And they would have to go upstairs for that to add. We actually use lactic acid for ours. Mm -hmm. Then to add hops into the hop dosers, which are three different vessels that actually run through a time step that run the work through the vessel itself instead of throwing everything into as you would a normal brew. And then the last time they would have to throw hops into the whirlpool. 
our only reason to have a hop back is we used to run everything through whole cone hops. Mm -hmm. So it would go into the whirlpool and then get knocked out into the whole cone hops that are in the hop back before it goes to a fermenter. We've done kind of fun things to it, that hop back. We do a stone crab stout. So we'll go ahead and throw them in, in nylon bags, a couple hundred pounds of stone crabs, and then go ahead and run wort through there and everything, which is neat. And pick up a little salinity and some mineralness and stuff like that. So it's and essentially kind of like a randall? But at yeah. the, at the, yeah. I never really thought of it like that. It's, it's I'm going to use that on tour now. Yeah. It's kind of like Randall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, there you get them. I like, we, I've talked to a couple people about Randalls and it's always funny to be like, yeah, it's just like a water filter, but you just filter your beer through it, throw whatever yeah. you want on yeah. there. Jolly Ranchers. Yeah. Cereal. Yeah. yeah. Man, I haven't seen a Randall in like 10 years. I haven't seen one in a long time. Yeah. It's been a while. The place that I know that did it was called Fryer Brewing in Greensboro and they, uh, Greensboro. We, yeah. <laughs> That was the uh, the first brewer we talked to was there as an assistant brewer, and now he's somewhere else. And we talked about it briefly. He was like, yeah, I mean, you get some flavors from it, but it's really just like a publicity thing. Oh, running it through Sour Patch Kids or something. Yeah, yeah. it's a gimmick. Yeah. Yeah, I think yes and no, but I remember running like whole cone hops or wet hops through there. And I did feel like there was a little more pickup or something a little bit different, but... Yeah, a little gimmicky. But by, I mean, by the time you run two beers through it, you've already Got, run, you've already gone. run through everything yeah. else. I think doing it at that stage, like in the brewing process, probably adds a lot more than just absolutely. Beer. And we we were throwing like fifty pounds of whole cone hops into fifty barrels of work. And now we're doing mash hopping on we're, the whole cone. We're hop trying out mash hopping. It's a new thing. It's supposed to give a little more smooth hop flavor. I don't know. We're still in the development, the beta phase of them. Yeah. Uh, so with distribution, how far reach do you guys have? We are Florida and we touched the panhandle of Alabama. So okay. Just Mobile. We launched that, I believe, in March of last year. Do I have that right? No. I think it sounds that right. Okay. Yeah, I think March it of last right. year. Yes, you can go ahead and throw your brand everywhere, but cost of transportation and diesel right now is through the roof. Yeah. I think a cool part of Florida that's very different than any other state in this country. A third of the citizens in North America here actually vacationed to Florida in Q4 of last year. So we had 110 million people that came right here to Florida. Wow. So like, you don't need to seek them. I think we're fortunate here in Florida where they actually come to us. And that makes sense. And I hope in a few years that we're people are hardcore begging and knocking on our door. And we've talked with distributors outside of the state and across the country a little bit. But I think just keep them tight here for a little while. That in Florida is a big ass state. And we, it's, it, there's a lot of state. There's a lot of places that we don't service, and there's a lot of opportunities out there. So there's no reason to leave the backyard until there's a reason to leave the backyard, and we're not there yet. Yeah, I know. Uh, we talked to one company in North Carolina that left their backyard, and they're in Virginia. And I think they're all the way down to Georgia, some other places, and they're reeling it back in now. Because they're like, it was cool to be that far, but now it's like, yeah. Well, a lot of breweries have been doing that. Yeah. Regional the past breweries, years. for sure. They were in 27 states, and now they're in six. Well, if you look at, so I'm from, I'm originally from North Carolina. And the last time I was in town, I went to like the local Lowe's Foods. You didn't see anything from out of state. It was like hyper local, really pushing local stuff. And I love that. And I think a lot of people are reverting back to that. The person in Idaho isn't going to want to ship to North Carolina if they can't get yeah, traction prime, there yeah, because what, spot, you're, yeah. you're not going to get a prime time spot when everyone wants North Carolina brewed beer. They want drink beer from here. That's been a, a saying that yeah. we've talked about before Gary even worked here, which I've known Gary. Gary and I went out drinking a lot 
uh, before he did work here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there was a whole ha- there was a whole hashtag based around Gary's here. <laughs> Hang out until we can't get rid of you, and then you hire him. Yeah. Well, we can't yeah. get rid of him. We bring him on board and put him on payroll. I've yeah. definitely had my fair share of places that I've frequented so much that they're just like, "Do you want a job?" <laughs> You're already here all You're the time. You're already here. Might, Might as, as well. well do something. Yeah, we'll save you the commute from your office to here. <laughs> Just make this your office and we're good. Yeah. yeah. And now Gary drives six miles a day or maybe not even. Yeah, four? it's perfect. Yeah, about four miles. I, dr- four I miles. drive six miles here. <laughs> four, six, yeah. And so what was uh, what was your background coming in with beer? Yes. Uh, director of sales. So if you've read Tony McGee's book, How to Start a Brewery, yeah. it really tells you everything thing you shouldn't ever do. It's not really anything about starting a brewery. It's just they'll teach you how to bounce payroll checks or how to lie to your financial advisor and get more money that you don't deserve. Or that's pretty, pretty funny book. But I was hired on as the initial in his book he called the Zephyr team. The Zephyr train is the train that goes from California through Colorado and finishes off in Chicago. And it's that actually a wind that actually is always constant here in this country is that the Zephyr wind. But um, worked there, uh, worked in Chicago for Lagunitas, came down to Florida for a little stint, worked in Texas for a little while, and then jumped on board in 2019 here at Coppertail. And then before that, I was a brewer at the Lucky Monk in Chicago. Wow, so, so you had a lot of a lot of background before you came here. Before here, yeah, and even before Lucky Monk, I worked for Chicago Beverage, the Miller Wholesaler in Chicago. So this year is my 21st year in craft beer. So it's been a fun little journey, did a little stint in Wyoming at a Snake River Brewing Company as well. Oh, I've been there. Over there, and yeah, Wyoming's a weird place, man. <laughs> I, I would love to tell stories, but uh... <laughs> speaking of, so any other interesting stories that we can tell about this uh, the brewery? You know, you're talking about building the brand. What is the cocktail brand? That's it's a you question. That's yeah, that's a me question. It uh, so. At the base level, it's kind of like, it's based around like nautical stuff. We're right here by the water in Florida. It's since taken a kind of like weirder turn. We try to base everything off of the myth of the copper tail. Mm-hmm. And where am I going with this? Help me out here. I know. Reel it in, dude. Reel it in. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't have had two beers during the tour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we're on beer four. <laughs> no, I it's kind of like, so basically all of our stuff is telling some sort of story that is related to the myth of the copper tail free dive the can it shows a guy underwater and he's like in his like little living room and this the copper tail is like making a ruckus and it's making his life hell living in his apartment under the water then we moved over to like hot quest and like these guys are all the four characters that are featured on the hot quest can they're all hunting him down unsuccessfully because they're inept hunters so we yeah, yeah it's very, it's super vague what we like especially with the artwork what we like people to do is look at the artwork make their own story we don't like to tell people this is exactly what's going on. We'll put like on the bottom of our six packs, there's a little story going on and you could read that and okay. we and leave it, up. it for just interpretation. Exactly. Like, we leave it up you... to, we leave it up to other people's interpretations. Great. We've actually done stuff like that in the past before with like ad campaigns be like, what do you think's happening here? Or like caption this and stuff like that. So we know what we were going for, but we're, we want the art to speak for itself and let it resonate with whatever you think it's going to do. That's awesome. Yeah. That's how a lot of music is. You're like, if you ever sit down with an artist or a songwriter and say, what's that song about? Like, what do you think it's about? Yeah, exactly. That's a cool way to go about this. And the artwork definitely lends to that. Cause you could, I, I don't know what these two are doing, but they got a story to tell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my, one of my favorite characters is a uh, hyperbolic kind of Paxodion. Paxodion, yeah, hyperbolic mm-hmm. first and Paxodion. And, yeah. and he's not searching here on earth. 
he's out in outer space and out in the universe and stuff like that. And he's seeking the copper tail and trying to find the copper tail out there. And it's just the artwork to me is like one of the more one of the better pieces that we have. That's I've one of my favorite to... characters. That was yeah. the first time that we left the sea and moved it out. And it was like me and Kent were talking about it. It's like, what if we put somebody in outer space? What if the creature of copper tail is that like mystical that it, it doesn't have to live in an ocean? They just fly around wherever, just exists. It exists wherever you are. Cross dimensions and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I, I kind of like this because we're fortunate being able to go to hop harvest and do selection and have opportunities to purchase very unique hops. And like with Hop Quest, this series of beer for us is a lot of just trying to find new, unique HBC, blah, 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 you know, trying to bring some innovation. The beer that we're drinking right now, we won a gold medal at US Beer Cup this year, a few weeks ago. It just wanted to see like what we're doing in the field, what we're doing hop rubs. Yes, I fucking love this hop. This strata with this and this is going to be, this is our cold IPA. This is our West Coast this year. It's like that series, I think, is a, it's pretty meaningful to us is probably JJ, our head brewer, and Derek here. But, you know, something that's a cool series that's just quarterly rotating. Every year, it's going to be something different. So you may love this year's gold winning IPA, and I hope we brew it again at some point. But next year, it might be just a little bit different. And that one's a, to go back into the story thing. I briefly touched on it before, but... That's the one where it's like we picked four people. We got a little wacky with the names when we first launched it. We revamped it to simplify it. But we named these people. It was Pax Odeon, Kiko, Santiago, Sorge O'Sullivan, and Winston Sheffield. And those were the names of the beer. They're basically all based on a character that we had Evan draw up for us. And in certain scenarios, and there was like one was a trapper, a fisher, this time traveler, and I can't remember the other big game hunter. hunter. And we had these stories based on these guys trying to hunt down the copper tail and the, these were the inept hunters I was talking about and they never did it because they were always like bested by this creature. It's just, it, it, it's actually what's funny is I'm telling you this story, but we don't actually tell this story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is how the concept for these, like the artwork comes up with these oh, yeah. like elaborate stories that are never really told, but yeah. yeah. Even I think um, Sunken Grove is a cool story that really just started out as so bare bones on like we want we knew we wanted to do a oh my god what was even a beer it was a, a citrus goes citrus go mm-hmm. you think there's some great goes great style was popping off at the time what is florida known for yeah. citrus yep. yeah and we have grow fields you go 20 miles south of tampa here you're gonna see nothing but citrus growing all over this area date city and stuff like that but i thought that was a fun brand to try to bring in water a bit of nautical and then going into the Grove field. And then we worked with Noble Farms, which is the oldest tangerine farmer in the state of Florida. So you find their stuff at most grocery stores and stuff like that, which is kind of cool. But working with Adam at Noble Farms and Derek and his team and all of us will zest tangerines for like two fucking weeks. You know, produce this beer and insane and amounts. Just do it by hand. You just... So we retrofit a DeWalt drill with a three prong on the end and a microblade. And you then you just mow them on down and mow them on down. But unfortunately, we've got a couple pallets of tangerines to so get yeah. through. It's a good, good while. Yeah, yeah it takes but, a while. Man, it, I drink a lot of OJ and during that time and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it was I, great. That was one of the more fun brands I had working on with Gary here. And thought that was a fun story to bring in the character and things like that. It definitely was. And that kind of kicked us off into a program that we like to do or we like to source. Because we, we, we do a lot of fruits and like tropical fruits and like natural fruits. We try to stay away from what would you call it like the, the additive adjuncts like yeah, the, the adjuncts, unnatural extracts extracts, extracts. Yeah. There, there you go thank yeah. you 
we like to use fresh fruit and we like to process that fresh fruit and use that in the beers. And we then try to find local farmers to work with to do that. Like we worked with Noble Farms, what he mentioned, and uh, who's the- Bramble Creek. Bramble Creek uh, mm-hmm. for great, Black, great Blackberries. Farm. Gene, Gene over there. Was it Blackberries? Blackberries we Blackberries, did with him. Yeah. We've done, what are the other fruits you Was have? it Wish Farm we did? Some, Wish Farm, they're, did man, they're the largest strawberry farmer in the state of Florida. Yeah. And we did a yeah. food process. <laughs> I mean, I've been down at really small farmers actually hand picking grapes and we were using grape must. Mm-hmm. For other some of our mixed culture program stuff, mm-hmm. I mean, we've come here and just cool thing. It's like Florida Department of Ag will really help a company like us or anybody who wants to go into local farms. And a lot of growers don't even they don't have an outlet. They may grow and they may you know, but they just they let that stuff die in the vines. And if you'll go there and put in a little effort, the pricing's far more affordable. Than trying to go somewhere else or a puree, just got to put a little bit of time in on you know on the processing side. And no. I think it's a good break for the production team. You get a day away from packaging or brewing or, or cleaning tanks and dry hopping and stuff. And Especially now. So we, we just recently put TVs in both of these rooms. And now they process, what, 15, 15 cases of limes in that room. I think they watched all the way through all the Lord of the Rings. There you go. <laughs> through that. <laughs> Two birds, one stone. Yeah. And I, I walked in and they're like, do we need to turn this off? I'm like, I don't care. As long, if you're zesting limes, I don't care. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. at all. I think if that makes you go faster, let, all right, it's fine with me. So is there anything else that anybody wanted to throw in there before I start doing the wrapping up? Tomorrow, we got a pretty cool collaboration going on with the uh, Pink Boots Society. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So yeah, yeah we actually worked, we work with Pink Boots a lot. Yeah, we have a, a recent hire for social media coordinator. Her name is Victoria. She's awesome. And she's very active in the local chapter for Pink Boots, and she set this one up, and uh, I think we're going to have a huge shirt out there. 30 people coming for Pink Boots. We have 25 people confirmed. Yeah. So that means we'll likely have 35 people that show up. To help brew the beer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So tomorrow's going to be a crowd party. around the uh, the screen and watch. We'll, party <laughs> talking shit. Touche, <laughs> sir. Touche. We're going to broadcast it onto uh, the big screen in the tasting room. Yeah. Send five <laughs> people up at a time for each time you got to go up there. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. much. Yeah. No, and since Victoria does all our photos, I'm going to be shooting photos all day. Tomorrow. Oh, that's awesome. But, so, no, that, that's, that's super exciting. Like, mm-hmm. Actually, the, the sheer number of people that have signed up and that are active in the beer community as females, non-binary, Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. And we've got, I don't know, 380 breweries, I want to say, in Florida. Mm-hmm. And it's been amazing seeing how more, much more females have come in. I mean, in fact, even our kitchen here at the brewery, we've got a large female staff here. Our packaging staff, staff two thirds yeah. is female. Two thirds of our packaging staff is female. That's awesome. CFO is female, social media coordinator female. Mm-hmm. Like it's a pretty strong amount here, mm-hmm. which is cool. And now to we see. just got a bunch of dudes in a room talking about yeah, it. Yeah, a bunch of overweight, <laughs> overweight beer guys talking about fucking craft beer. <laughs> well, cool. Um, we like to end every episode giving just a little wisdom nugget. So if there's any wisdom you can give our listeners, we'll just go around and let everybody from the marketing side. I think that's one of the things that you see breweries lack the most. I don't know if it's a dollar thing or if it's a I don't believe in marketing thing. Fouch. Why the fuck you look at me? <laughs> there used to be you, now there's two of you. <laughs> We've been saying it. We doubled your department. Hey, I've heard you say it too, so I'm just saying. <laughs> say what? Marketing's <laughs> bullshit. No, I said you have the revenue department, and then you have the spending department. We're yeah, definitely... That's why you see more yeah, people push towards the sales, but yeah. Gary and I mess with each other, and yeah. I've always said that Gary doesn't realize it, but Gary's in sales. 
You may think you're in marketing, but I put him and bring him into a Publix meeting or in with the Bucks or the Rays. And you know what? That hat turns backwards and he becomes sales guy. Right <laughs> yeah, there. there <laughs> but back to reality. <laughs> back to marketing land. No, seriously, though, um, I, this might not be a nugget for people that are trying to get into marketing at a brewery because I think those are, I think that's honestly rare, especially for smaller breweries, but maybe a little bit for breweries that already exist or breweries in planning that don't neglect it. Like you, you don't understand how much like building a brand actually really helps your brand and sure as hell, make sure you're active on social media. You have to do marketing of some sort, even if it's pay somebody a little something for a label, you know what I mean? Make sure you're, make sure you're representing your brand correctly. Yeah. If Instagram and TikTok has taught us anything on the planet, it's that the more you're out there, the more active you are, the more people are going to look at your stuff and you're going to be out there. I think at this point, social media may be just as important as putting out an ad somewhere or oh, 100%. That's or anything, yeah. putting out a post or a partnership. Yeah. Social media is absolutely crushing everything when it comes to that. So if you can get a following on social media, that's going to be your best thing. I'm sure Gary will bag me on that one. Oh, yeah, no, there's no doubt. That's why we hired Victoria. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, how would you think somebody gets into something in, in production world and in, in the brewing industry? I know how you and I got in, but... I kind of I kind of have an answer if I could speak out of school. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's... You got to start at a place you don't want to start. You're like, you got to be doing the bullshit, and you got to do really good at it, and you got to work your ass off. And I think you'll... I think I can speak for some of the guys back there, including JJ. Like JJ mm-hmm. came in as logistics and then moved into seller. He was seller. And now he's our head brewer. And that wasn't mm-hmm. that long ago that JJ started with us. And he busted his ass. And you guys saw him, saw that happen and that put him in his place. That was under he, five years. Place. He, he did have experience before, but he came in driving a forklift and out at the head brewer in under a five-year period. Yeah. And we're like the 147th large brewer in the country out of 10,000. It, he worked his ass off to get there. But I mean, hell, I, I started in this industry sitting on a five-gallon bucket back when people bought bombers and hand-filling on a Blickman gun and just bomber to bomber. <laughs> yeah. oh, no. Derek has horror stories of filling hundreds of cases sitting there hand, one did, by one. And I did 100 cases with a beer gun. 100 <laughs> cases, one by one with a beer gun. Oh, Where's that beer gun now? In the trash can. I threw it away. We finished that run and I threw it in the dumpster right, right after we finished it because I was like, I'm not doing that again. I, I but, think I'll, I could probably feed in probably almost the exact opposite way to get into a craft brewery. But if craft is your passion and I'm still a big believer in the three tier system and go work for a distributor, go be a merchandiser, go get your CDL, drive a truck, work your way through. Because if you don't understand every part of the three tier system from the retailer to the manufacturer to the wholesaler, everything, you, you, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be successful in this industry, you need to have a full understanding of that. And merchandising shelves and building a thousand case Corona crazy beach display or whatever the hell it may be. Go do some stuff like that and get creative and have some fun. And that's how a lot of people I feel like get into this as distributor wise. I feel like this is going to be really interesting to hear oh, three, three different ways of well, getting get into in there. there. Because I, <laughs> what I'm thinking is believe in teamwork. Start from the bottom. Nothing at your job is not your job. You're in craft beer. We're a team. Like we work together to create a product that the consumer wants. So be part of a team. If you ever bring yourself to a brewery 
as, say, a packaging guy, and you say, well, that's not my job, you're dead to me, period. Because we run on six production employees. Six employees. That's insanity. Yeah. And if one of those employees isn't on board, that fucks up everybody else's day. You have to have buy-in from every employee. If you want to come in the door and be a rock star and move up the ranks, you have to have buy-in and you have to be a team player. That is the number one thing I will say. Without being a team player, you'll never make it in this business. Yeah, these breweries are too small. These like so, like the ten thousand of them, like nine thousand nine hundred and ninety of them are super fucking small breweries mm-hmm. that you can't operate as a me. No, there is no me because we have brewers that come in here and process fruit. We have packaging come in here process fruit. Our forklift driver comes in processes fruit. Like we all do it. I go in there and do it, and like I'm a director. It has to get done. That's yeah. it. I worked the canning line the whole day yesterday, and I'm yeah. a CEO, and I'm sweat my ass off working the canning yeah, line. We were working a couple, couple people. We worked side by side for an hour or two. Like we're the most expensive packaging team you could possibly dream of. <laughs> Every time I look at him doing something, and I'm like, man, that's costing this company a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it's all about. It's about buy-in and about everyone believing in what you're doing and not saying that's not my job. That's not my job is one of those things like I cannot handle anyone ever saying that because it doesn't matter if it's your job. We're all working towards the same goal. Right. One team, one dream. Let's go. And that job getting done is your paycheck. So it doesn't matter who does it. If it gets done, you still get a paycheck. If it doesn't, you might. Maybe. Who knows? Who knows? When I started here, we leased the kitchen space to a really amazing restaurant, Stein and Vine. We took it over, but hell, our last week, Chef Corey and I are over here building a structure to go over his new 550-gallon smoker. When does a chef now become a structure and a cardboard builder and stuff like that? And we all wear every hat, as I joke with Gary, that he's in sales. He wear, he has to throw that hat on occasion a couple times a year. Lab has to do what he, I mean, yeah, we, mm-hmm. all, we all throw in. Yeah, like, yeah, we'll put Rob on the canning line every once in a while. Our administrative assistant, I, we call him FTK, front door Kyle. I, my nickname for him is Utility Kyle. You can utilize <laughs> Kyle wherever you want. If yeah. you want him to bar back for you and run food, no problem. If you want him on the canning line, no problem. Like, that dude makes all. candles that we sell. We make, can- yeah, he makes candles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, hang on. No, if you look right now, he has candles on his, on his desk drying right now. <laughs> look at this. Thank you, fucking Kyle. I was wondering what those were. They're yeah. in the yeah. cans. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we all wear a lot of hats here. There's, yeah, there's like for sure. 54 employees, and I don't think anybody has. We have a job title, but I don't think any one of us actually always do that job. No, not at all. No. Yeah, well, that's been all, this has been awesome. I really appreciate you guys oh, yeah. taking the time to chat with me and the hospitality. This is a great porter. You're right. It's not heavy, but it's not light. Thin, it's not heavy. It's got a little robust and a little it's thing going on. Just right. It's just right. right. Cool. As long as you guys don't have anything else, I'm going to go ahead and hit the buttons. Cool. And- Cheers. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks again to Gary, Ken, and Derek for the chat. We've been making good use of that shotgun koozie, and we can't wait to see Derek rocking out with us up here in NC. What's your favorite brewery? Let us know over on Instagram and give us a follow at Pod to keep up with our adventures. Make sure you're taking care of your bartenders, and until next Friday, we'll see you at the bar. <laughs>